Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Alexandra West. Alex is an award-winning designer, international speaker, and corporate trainer. She's passionate about culture, creativity, and collaboration. Her focus is on bringing both a visual thinking mindset and a strong sense of psychological safety to the world of collaborative work. Alex has a long history as a creative. After earning her degree in art history from Emory University, Alex spent her early career in commercial and nonprofit art galleries. She then spent a decade managing large-scale software implementations for Fortune 500 HR teams before leaving corporate America to return to her creative roots. Alex worked as a production designer and art director on feature films, television shows, and commercials for over 10 years. Alex works with organizations on product discovery and development projects, as well as corporate culture and diversity and inclusion initiatives. When not busy curating and coaching, Alex can be found eating cheese, all kinds of cheese. Welcome to the show, Alex. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I'm excited to be here. Great, let's get started. So Alex, as a woman in tech, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? Sure, uh, like many of your guests, mine was not a straight path. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was actually quite meandering. I grew up really obsessed and in love with art and design. And I thought that what I might wanna do is become a gallerist. I uh, mm-hmm. was not really a maker. I sort of figured that out early on that I was more of a, a curator that I like to go out and, and find things. So I mm. got a degree in art history and started off working in galleries and um, got a little disillusioned with that world over mm. my my 10 or so years there. And I ended up working uh, in a completely different field um, in a sales and project management role for a really large business to business software company. So I guess mm-hmm. that's probably where the, the tech came in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was a really interesting job in that I learned a lot, but I wasn't very excited by it. I was a little boring, uh, but it was what we call the golden handcuffs. It was I was making a lot of money. So I stuck with it probably for a lot longer than I should. And then one of the best things that ever happened to me was I got downsized in 2007 at the beginning of sort of the the economic downturn. Uh, And at the time that was really horrible for me, but it ended up to be really fantastic because it drove me back into the sort of the creative world. And I ended up um, starting to work in film and television production. And so I sort of circled back onto my curatorial skills. I worked in the art department. I eventually made my way up to be um, a production designer and loved that job. Um, learned a lot about collaboration and elite teams. Uh, the filmmaking world and film production is really the ultimate collaborative environment because you're really bringing together these diverse groups of people on short terms and making these sort of fantastical things and these these sort of relatively short time frames. Um, and I, I really had a great time in that industry. And then um, the pandemic hit in 2020. And 
I had started a consulting firm with my husband, who I would say is, is the techie half of our partnership. We started a firm called Nerd Noir back in 2015, but I hadn't really done a lot. It was more back office. And so when the pandemic hit and film production shut down, I really shifted focus to uh, our business and what could I bring to the table. And what really got me excited was the culture side, the collaboration side. How do you create great teams? So I started to really focus on that part of our business. And we really grew a lot during the pandemic and the subsequent years. And in the end, when film production picked back up, I, I never went back. And so it was sort of from art to tech, to back to art and then back to tech, but I'm sort of finding a, a way to bring it all together now, which is really great. That's great. Wow. What a great story. And so now you've, you're back to where your heart is, I think, you know, sounds like it. I think so. Yes. Yep. A little bit yep. of, of all of the, the goodness from the, the previous careers. Yeah. yeah. And all that experience helps and aids you in, in doing what you're doing today. So it's meant to be. Absolutely. I would agree with that. Great. So would you share us with us your thoughts on cultivating an environment that encourages creative collaboration and innovation within a corporate setting? Sure. Uh, I think, you know, when you're talking about creating that sort of an environment, the first step is is going to be creating diverse teams. You know, you really want to get multiple perspectives, multiple points of view in any sort of group where you're trying to drive innovation. Uh, and I think once you have those people together, the most important thing to focus on is really creating an environment of psychological safety, an environment where it's okay for people to share their crazy ideas, where it's okay to disagree, to challenge the status quo, and really, and maybe most importantly, where it's okay to fail, where experimentation is encouraged and where people really feel like they can try things and and really work with each other to come up with things that are new and maybe risky and drive what's what's going to be new and what's going to be different from what's already out there. Um, so Alex, is it is it um, just enough to tell them that that's okay or do you have to do other things to encourage that behavior? I absolutely think you have to walk the walk and not just mm -hmm. talk the talk. I think mm -hmm. I think you do have to be very intentional about soliciting input and even disagreement from people. Um, I I am one of those people that's very comfortable speaking up, but I know that's maybe not the norm. And I think we have to make sure we don't assume that everybody feels comfortable mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. So I think first really inviting that sort of input and then modeling vulnerability. You know, be uh, very upfront about talking about times you've tried things and failed. Don't be afraid to say when you don't know something. Don't be mm -hmm. afraid to ask for help. I think, you know, those types of behaviors and really putting that example forward really helps sort of bring that team into that warm, safe, collaborative environment. Now, you mentioned the importance of that psychological safety. What is the importance of fostering a culture of psychological safety within an organization? Well, I think the, the first and most obvious reason would be to create happy and engaged employees. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're all familiar with the talent wars that are out there, the difficulty in recruiting and retaining really top talent. And if you we create an environment of psychological safety, I think that really helps create happy and engaged employees. And this 
should be enough, I think, of a reason mm-hmm. for us to mm-hmm. all embrace the idea of psychological safety. But let's be honest, it, it, it isn't. And so I think at some point, if you're trying to get buy-in in your organization, you're ultimately going to need to tie it to the bottom line. So when I have those kinds of conversations with people, uh, one of the things that I like to think about is if you're spending all this time, money and effort recruiting and hiring for diversity, but then you're not putting those people into a psychologically safe environment, you're mm-hmm. leaving all the value of that diversity on the table. Right. Be- right. Because so those people, yeah. yeah, they don't feel safe sharing their unique points of view. So it's really, if you really want to extract that value out of this uh, these programs that you have to hire these diverse groups of people, you have to put them in an environment where they're going to be able to feel free to share their ideas that don't mm-hmm. line up with maybe what everybody else in the organization has. And to let them know that every idea is not going to be fulfilled, but please share them because there might be a good one in there that will be. Absolutely. And also let us have the opportunity to build off each other's ideas. Right, right. Oh, that's so important. I know that from just collaborating. You know, when you start with an idea, it sparks that thought process for the other person and they may come up with something totally different, which is really great. Right. Yeah. And that's the exciting part, right? It is really exciting and it really feeds that culture. Absolutely. I agree. Now, um, share how diverse perspectives and inclusive practices positively impact productivity and innovation, if you've seen that in your organization. Yeah, I think that, you know, if we're talking about innovation, what is that? That's building the better mousetrap, figuring out what market isn't being served, coming up with what comes next. All of those sorts of thought processes really come from divergent thinking, you know, being Mm -hmm. curious, taking risks, um, exploring many possible solutions. Mm -hmm. A brainstorming session would be a perfect example of divergent thinking. But but that type of process really depends greatly on one thing, which is diverse points of view. Divergent thinking opens possibilities because it leads you to look at these options that aren't necessarily apparent at first, that might often come from exposure to a different perspective, something outside of your own, really what we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. as much as we're all singing the praises of diverse teams and perspective, how often are we really hearing those different points of view? How are we getting these crazy, disruptive, outside-of-the-box ideas out of people's heads and onto the table? And that really boils down to creating that environment of psychological safety. So if you're making an environment and creating a space where people are unafraid to share these wildest ideas, that's really when you're going to drive that innovation process. Yeah, that's great. So in addition, please share how Nerd Noir puts collaboration first and forward in its engagements. But before you do that, can you tell us a little bit about Nerd Noir and what they do? Sure. So we are a consulting and coaching firm. We work primarily with uh, platform and engineering groups, software Mm -hmm. development teams, uh, usually in a large-scale enterprise environment. And we're really focused on building elite teams. That's really what we do. Our core values are people, creativity, and results. That's what we talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. And people Mm -hmm. coming first. So we always try to focus on the people. What are the outcomes that you're seeking? 
And how can we better equip your teams and make stronger teams to drive towards those outcomes? And one of the things that we do to try to put collaboration first and, and forward is we use something called the PDSR loop, which is a, a little term my husband and partner David came up with, which stands for plan, do, share, reflect. So oh. everything we do, we gather together, we start with a, a plan. What is it we're trying to accomplish in this iteration mm-hmm. of whatever it is we're doing? We do it. Mm-hmm. We then share what we did with the stakeholders and get their feedback, reflect on that feedback and use that to plan our next iteration. Next one. That's great. I right. love that. PDSR. PDSR. Yes. Yep. Yep. I really <laughs> like that. That's great. And it really puts everything into perspective because you're executing on it. You're reflecting on it. You're actually doing things to make it happen. Right. It's a really, it's a feed, it's a forward, sorry, I would like to restate. Okay. It is really a, a forward feedback loop. So you're constantly getting feedback and then feeding that forward into what you do next. So it really focuses on that experimental mindset and iterating with feedback and collaboration throughout your entire process. Mm-hmm. That's so important. Um, so share with us some of the challenges, benefits, and lessons learned from your transitioning careers and how you've taken those lessons and built the practices you use today. That's a great question. I think mm-hmm. I'm really fortunate in that I've gotten to work both in um, the art world, really very creative industries, and also corporate America, because Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that that's made very clear to me is that there is a place for rigor and there is a place for creativity. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to know what space you're playing in at any given moment. Uh, At Nerd Noir, one of the things we always say is consistency where it matters. Mm. So certain things we know have to comply with rules. Certain things need to be repeatable, but other things Uh, more creative things should be wildly freeform. And if you're working towards innovation, you need to have that space to play, that space to be creative, that space to take risks and do things that are maybe a little outlandish in the moment. But you have to balance that, obviously, with the business side of business. And I think that's really something I've taken away from all the twists and turns that my career has taken. Um, and it relates a lot to and and letting people work in the way that suits them. Consistency where it matters. And outside of that, be an individual. Bring your full self to the job and show me another way to look at it. Show me another way to do it. That's great. I love your thinking. This is so refreshing. And consistency where it matters it's so critical, not just consistency, just for the sake of consistency and doing that everywhere, but where it matters really makes the difference, right? And so, right. wow, wow, really great. I love that. Right. So oh, well, thank you. Yeah. You, you've learned a lot through your lessons learned and you're, you're putting them into practice now, which is great. You know, I love that, that you're taking that and it's like reflecting on it and saying, okay, what do I do to make myself better? 
Absolutely. Continuous improvement is something yes. we can take out of the software design space, put it into our own lives, our own careers. Yep. Yep. It's definitely a goal. I, 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 I hope to practice it. I'm sure I don't every single day. I'm sure you do. It's, it's certainly a goal. No, but that's great. Continuous improvement is something we should all live for, right? Learning and Absolutely. growing every day is really why we are alive. And if we continue to do that, it's only going to be good. Absolutely. I totally so, agree. So, you know, this podcast is focused around bridging culture, pay and employment gap for women in tech. What are you seeing in the industry from your lens today for women? And just to give a perspective around, is it growing? Is it getting better? Is it getting worse? What are you seeing? Well, I think there's a lot to be hopeful around, mm -hmm. a lot that mm -hmm. makes me excited. I think one thing that I've noticed over the years is I see a lot more focus on women being very deliberate about helping other women. Yep. Very yep. Pur purposeful mentorship, peer networks, really, uh, really what I see is people being very intentional about mm -hmm. wanting to support other women on their way up. I know that I have a lot of very key female mentors in my career, and I certainly try to pay that forward. That's great. And I think that that is just a really amazing thing to see. The other thing that I find really inspiring when I work with younger women is that they really say no more. They don't settle. Mm -hmm. They don't put up for a, it like is a lot so of things, true. right? Um, mm -hmm. I think that I can look back earlier in my career and see so many things that I put up with that were disrespectful, but downright painful. And it was just kind of the quote unquote cost of doing business. And I think that the generation that's coming up now has much more of an ability to push back, shut down bad behavior, ask for what they deserve, demand respect. And that's so inspiring and just gives me so much hope. I agree so, completely. You hit it. You hit the nail on the head where you, when you said, you know, we, our generations were so used to saying yes to everything and not yep. even thinking through it. We'd go do it and then find out that it wasn't a good thing, right? But they are so smart, the newer generations, the younger generations, is that they'll say no right off the bat and they will command that authority to be able to tell why. Why don't I want to do this? They don't just say no and, and go on, but they'll, they'll mm -hmm. explain. And I think that's mm -hmm. so critical, so critical. Yeah, it's very, it makes me, um, it makes me feel very optimistic mm -hmm. and it's really inspiring. And it just, it also, ha it makes you, it has to make you feel proud in a little bit of a way, because I feel like we've all tried to pave the way to get there. And certainly I try to encourage, encourage women to, to do those things, to demand what they deserve. You know, one boundaries. of the things that I've said all the time is that women lack confidence, but I think these newer generations are coming through the business world and they are confident. They are, you know, determined to succeed and they are not afraid to ask. So that's, that's really very hopeful and optimistic. I agree. Yeah, I think that's just so key. And I think, you know, clearly we have a, a long way to go. We still have a pay gap. We don't have great representation in the C-suite. Mm -hmm. We don't have mm -hmm. great representation on boards. Mm -hmm. We're getting, you know, less than 3% of venture capital funding yep. funding yep. goes to female Still founders. So yep. 
there's a lot there's a lot of ground to cover, but I do think there are a lot of signs of hope and a lot of things to be really excited about. And I always say, and you know, I'm, I'm sure my listeners will remember this from other podcasts, is there's a special place in hell for women that don't help each other. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, so important. And I'm glad you're seeing that. Yeah, I'm glad you're seeing more of that. I love that. Um, so what advice would you give women today to ensure that they would have a successful career? Any just lessons learned that you say, wow, you know, they need to think about this because it helped me. Yeah. One thing that I have learned, I'm going to say the hard way in some yep, instances. Yep. And one thing that I, that I always tell people I work with is that every day we are training people on how to treat us. Mm-hmm. The way that we treat other people, the behavior that they, that we model is going to impact on how people treat us. So it's a two-sided coin. On the one hand, I always say, be nice to everyone. Mm-hmm. Some people are out there just kissing up to people that are maybe yep. their boss or, or can give them something or get them a leg up. You don't know who you're going to work with down the right. road. You don't right. know whose assistance you're going to need. Be great to everybody. Mm-hmm. But the flip side of that coin is, as we were just talking about, set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Get the respect you deserve. Don't do things you're uncomfortable with. Don't do things you're not getting paid for. Right. Because if you start doing it, once you start doing that, that's the people are going to expect that from you. Mm-hmm. Yep, yes, that's right. Yes. If you don't want to answer text messages after 9 p.m., don't. Don't, don't do, do it. it. Yeah. Don't don't make it like somebody else is making you do it because you have to set your own boundaries and they will start to respect it when they realize, oh, she does not text me after 9 p.m., then I know I'm not going to text her, you know? Right, exactly. So we're constantly setting those expectations. And I think that's really hard, especially when you're earlier on in your career, because as you said, you want to be the person that's easy to work with. You want Mm -hmm. to say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. And you can't because you'll just get run over and you'll burn yourself out. Right, right. And then you, they have no regard for you because they'll just keep pouring out more things on you. Right. Because you yeah. haven't established that value. You know, your right. time is valuable. Your efforts are valuable. And so I think that's the earlier you can start building that habit, the better off you're going to be. Completely agree. Great advice. So be nice to all, but set your boundaries so that uh, people understand who you are, what your values are, and they start to respect it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's great. So this is a selfish question because I'm building a list of all the places I want to travel to. (laughs) And I want to know what was your favorite place that you've traveled to and why? Wow, this is is hard. (laughs) Travel is absolutely one of my passions, one of the best things I think people can do for themselves. Um, I love a lot of places. But I would have to say the place I'm dying to go back to is India. Ah, okay. And it's I think not on my list. Really, I'm going to have to add it. You know, India is amazing. The people, first of all, are fantastic. I love the food. The culture, the art, and the architecture is so incredibly rich. But I think one of the reasons that it, it's my favorite right now is because how completely different it is from my day-to-day life. 
And I think that's mm-hmm. what's so great about travel is just really immersing yourself in a completely mm-hmm. different environment. I love that. Going yeah. back to exposing yourself to these different viewpoints, different perspectives, because then that just opens you up when you return back to your day-to-day life to look at things differently and to think, oh, maybe that isn't the way we need to do that. Maybe there are other ways to do that. So it's just, it's such a rich country in terms of giving you that different experience that I just would love to go back there again and again. When did you go? When did you go? Uh, So I went in 2017 for about three weeks and I have been dying to go back since the minute I got home. It was just, you know, it's such a vast and varied country. You can barely scratch the surface in a few weeks. Did you go with um, somebody or did you go by yourself? I did. I went with my husband. We were both Uh speaking at a conference there at a tech conference. And so we built in some trip, some some days before and after mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just had the most fantastic time went on a little tiny postal carrying train between Delhi and Jaipur and mm. um, just went spent a week on, on the beach in Goa which was gorgeous I love to go to Goa I would love fantastic. to go to Goa it's so neat that you said that yeah Goa okay. is amazing that Absolutely is amazing. Gorgeous. so yes add it to your list it is fantastic I will add it to my list, definitely. We just came back from Portugal and had an amazing time. So that's one I would recommend to you if you are looking for a place to go to. I don't know if you've been there or not. That is actually on my list. Oh, okay. If you're ever going to go, let me know. I have a great itinerary and lots of great restaurants and just experiences that I can share with you. So that would be great. You're speaking my language right now, Jennifer. (laughs) I love that. That's why I asked because, you know, you really want to get it from somebody that's been there. And I don't like to share it before I've experienced it because maybe I don't like something, you know. And so then I don't share that. But, yeah, I'm happy to share. Take a note. You're going to hear from me. Great. Great. Um, This is awesome. It's such an honor to have you on my show. I'm so... uh, glad that we were able to do this. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Uh, can you please share with your our listeners how to get a hold of you? Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Jennifer. It's been a mm-hmm. wonderful conversation. And Great. people can find me on LinkedIn, Alexandra West, my full name, even though I don't use <laughs> Alexandra every day. And uh, you could also find us on our website, nerdnoir.com, where you can find out a little bit more about what we do and reach mm-hmm. me there as well. Perfect. Oh, my God. This is so great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Um, We look forward to maybe having you in the future on a new show. So we really appreciate your time and thank you for your insights. This has been awesome. Thank you, Jennifer, so much. It's been great. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum 
on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.